0: But you're
1: the only one I trust to. Hello and welcome to the Brits on Flix podcast, your monthly movie podcast where we discuss, deliberate and dissect a movie at our choosing. This month, the movie is Eyes of Laura Mars. This was your choice, Brian? My choice? Your choice, choice. I believe. It's been that long. Well, it was from your options, but I ended up choosing it from your options, yeah. Yeah, So. so... We normally do a lot about history, so I think this was a first time for you, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Um, had, had you heard of
0: it before? I had heard of it, yeah. I'd heard of it, I think primarily I remember it being on one of those, um, you know them lists they do at certain times of year, like top 100 thrillers or something, yeah. I don't know, I, I don't know what the list was that it was on but it was on one of those and I was it kind of intrigued me made me think this this is something I need to check out um, but yeah I that's about it so it was on my radar put it mm. that way but my experience with it is limited to that really
1: yeah for me this is this is a movie that I I know I had watched look a long while ago A long while ago And that was primarily down to the people involved You know, Tommy Lee Jones, Faye Dunaway Great uh, mm-hmm. Irvin Kirchner directing, fantastic And uh, the big yeah. name for me, John Carpenter Now John th- Carpenter? Yeah, he wrote the screenplay
0: Ah, right, okay I um, missed that one <laughs> That That's <laughs> swung by me unnoticed There you go
1: um, which is probably the reason that it, it got me to, to check it out in the first place
0: mm.
1: um, But other than that, it, it was it almost felt like a first time watch The only thing was is I, I knew the big reveal at the end um, But it must be said, this is, we're going to discuss the movie We're going to spoil the hell out of it So if you haven't seen it before, just please be aware of that um, So Brian, do you have a, a synopsis that you've borrowed from somewhere?
0: I do. I've, I've, I've pieced it together, rewritten it, called it my own. Here goes. <laughs> there is a serial killer on the loose. His victims are left in identical poses to the subjects from a series of arty photos by a very famous fashion photographer. But when that very photographer begins to see what the killer sees, she is forced to bear witness to the deaths of her closest friends, never knowing who might be next. Then she falls in love with a detective in charge of tracking the killer down. The two of them realise they must work together if they are to discover the truth of these visions seen only by the eyes of Laura
1: Mars. Oh, very well done, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think the first thing I want to talk about is the opening of this movie, where we see the initial kill and... I think, I think you're seeing, um, pretty much the opening of Halloween, almost. You know how mm. it, it does that thing, but when you realise that Carpenter wrote both of the mo- movies, mm. you really start yeah. to see how it, it, kind of formalised some of that opinion. What, what do you think of this opening scene, the, the whole through the colors Eye? Um. I, yeah.
0: It. I, I, obviously if I, if i've got the john carpenter connection i think i would have uh, cottoned on to that straight away but uh what strikes me is that it doesn't quite work <laughs> because <laughs> there's moments where we see flashes of the killer's eyes and he's not looking in a mirror so it, it doesn't work from the context of how these visions are supposed to work which is that she sees what the killer sees mm. so when we suddenly see snatches of his face i'm i'm a bit thrown and i'm a bit oh
1: that, 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 is, that okay. not, is that not fade is his face you've seen her eyes it, It's the horror of seeing through his eyes
0: <laughs> I, I don't know it it was if it was it was very confusingly shot um because it looked like it was in the same room it looked like it was in that same dark corridor that he was in but uh um i i i could be wrong you know uh like i say sometimes when you watch something just the once you do miss stuff but it, mm-hmm. if so it was edited in a rather confusing manner
1: um mm-hmm. but yeah am um, um. I want to beat around the bush and talk about certain things, but I just want to jump straight to the fact of the big reveal of who the colour is at the end. Um, <laughs>
0: Saw it coming a mile off.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 What did you think of it, other than seeing it coming?
0: Well, well not used to seeing Tommy Lee Jones in this kind of role, mm. gotta be said. Um, so, yeah, d- nice to see that, I guess, but. Mm. Yeah, saw it coming a mile <laughs> off. Um, I, I think. I think once. Um, once, once he goes to Brad Dorif's house, mm-hmm. like he like th- they're sat there waiting for him to show up, and it was then that I suddenly thought, hey, up, Tommy Lee Jones, he's the killer." Mm-hmm. Um I I knew it wasn't Brad Doriff couldn't be Brad Doriff because this was too early in the film to get to the killer and also Brad Doriff is a bit too obvious yeah. you know if if like his character is literally set up um like like the biggest red herring you've ever seen in your life throughout uh, so there's, there was no way it was him and the the other guy the guy who Used to be um, husband. Yeah, the guy who looks suspiciously like the dude from Adams Family. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I knew it couldn't be him. He was too much of a low life kind of. Yeah, it just yeah, didn't make sense. So, I'm sat there and I'm thinking, I'm racking my brains, and I'm like, I don't think it's Brad Dorrith. There's no way. Ah, uh, here we go. And then I just realised it ca- it has to be Tom Lee Jones. And then I kind of remembered the scene we saw him in at the beginning when he's just hanging around that party. Mm-hmm. We never did get an explanation as to why he was, you know, why is this cop hanging around the party? Uh, so it all just, yeah. I, I don't <laughs> is, know if... He's is, is there because one of the murder scenes is like the picture out of the book. Yeah, but we don't, we don't get that until... Um, Later, though, do we when she's at the police station?
1: Yeah, that's when he reveals the book. But um, I mean, it's. Well, I, I took it as that was why he was there. But just is there any clues that he is actually the killer, or is it just the film-centric brain that, that ties it ties up? I
0: I think I think it's the film-centric brain, and this yeah. is this is the thing. It's I think if I'd have seen this film at the time that it came out. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have had a clue. Um, One, I wouldn't have the history that I do with Brad Dourif. Maybe one flew over the cuckoo's nest, but that's about it. You know, we had no Chucky at this point. We had no, (laughs) for me, no X-Files connection. So, yeah, like... Yeah, it just, I, I do, like you say, I think it's the film centric mm-hmm. brain. I think it's having seen so many things that I guess have imitated this since, mm-hmm. um, that it does become like a, a particular
1: language and yeah. you either read it or you don't. Um, and, and do you think it makes sense that he is the killer? Because uh, I feel as if it just doesn't, it feels clunky. Feel. It does feel clunky, it feels very clunky Yeah um, I, I mean, yeah. I, I knew it was coming But even knowing it was coming it's just, It still feels as if it comes out of left field Out of nowhere <laughs> And it and, and doesn't really make sense mm. You know, because yeah. like, All the time you're thinking Because well, I knew he, he was the one, I'm just like well, Why doesn't he kill her now? so <laughs> like, yeah. only two of them together Why doesn't he just
0: Yeah, the they go split personality route, don't they?
1: Yeah, and it just, I mm. mean, it's it's typical Giallo fashion where they just go like bonkers at the end. You know, just <laughs> like, <so>. it's <laughs> as if they've s- spun a wheel and just went, this guy, split personality, boom. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, is, it is wacky, but the, there are some good scenes in it, I feel. Um, some interesting scenes. I particularly like the one where she has been chased through the warehouse. And she's, yeah. She can't really see where she's going. She just sees the images of her back and somebody chasing her. I thought that was a mm. a terrifically staged and, and well shot and edited scene. Um,
0: yeah, I I like the way they do that. I like it. It's quite scary to imagine being in him in her position where you can't actually see what's in front of you. You can only see what's in front of him, mm. what's in front of the killer, and you've got to kind of use his vision. In order to navigate your own way through something, um, mm. so yeah, that that was quite interesting. I thought,
1: yeah, yeah, and and, and early on, the, the movie kind of makes a statement that um, a, a well worn argument that art makes people kill. Cause it's...
0: Well, yeah, it's the whole life imitating art, art imitating life thing, but. I feel like they kind of drop the ball on this one mm. because the, the film does set itself up to be something of a commentary, a social commentary, a bit of an expose into that side of things, In you know, the whole art imitating life and all that kind of stuff and does, does the media create violence and all that kind of stuff, but it, it kind of, it sets that up as something to be discussed mm and then it kind of drops it once once we get into full on thriller serial killer mode victims getting picked off left right and center that's kind of abandoned and mm-hmm. and we never really get any kind of clear cut answer mm-hmm. to to where this film sits i guess in in that kind of a ideological sense you know mm-hmm. like usually with if if you're going to talk about a particular Know social message or whatever you you set up those questions, and then you kind of come at it from such an angle that it that it that it answers those questions mm. in a way. You know the filmmaker kind of says what they want to say on the subject through the use of the film. But here it's like it's almost like the filmmakers happy enough just to ask the questions and then not really delve into them, not
1: really discuss them. Because the art in the movie is. I'd probably say now It's still provocative Images-wise mm-hmm. You know um, yeah. the, the Women in these violent scenes It's things that would probably get Clickbait and headlines just now If, yeah. if, if there was Kind of art like that um, I had other points But they've kind of left my brain At the moment for some reason <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah I mean, Like I say It's just it's just the fact that it abandons it mm-hmm. You know We don't really go anywhere with it um, mm-hmm. Like we're not really dealing with a serial killer who is, who is a direct result of her photos. You know, mm. it seems he's he's obsessed with her, which is kind of why he uses those photos, and he's obsessed with the idea that, um, you know, this. I I guess it's more that he doesn't seem to like the. More upper crust artsy-fartsy mm. kind of types in society who yeah. kind of get away with doing whatever they want I guess I don't know there the, the seems to be more of a class value thing there it, towards the end, it, but it, I mean, it, it's a bit
1: muddled it does it, it kind of states that you know this violent images in art are making somebody act out violently it, it feels as if that's what it's saying, but then it also says that it's you know it's not making people violent, it's just making violent people a little bit more creative. With that. Mm. Yeah, to,
0: to quote Scream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <that's>, yeah.
1: <laughs> it, it really is, but that's, that's what it feels like. Even nowadays, you've got things with um, like tragedy school shootings, they're trying to blame it on like video games or, or violent movies. You know, and you, mm. you just feel as if it's a, an easy task to blame some piece of art.
0: Yeah. A- anything to escape the fact that you sell guns to people in... Uh, High street supermarket <laughs> Yeah
1: Yeah <laughs> Yeah let's go for Hello. the wacky Hello Yeah um, I, I do like that That scene in the movie though When they're they're doing the photo shoot And it's in the middle of The, the, the city like Just everything Yeah, yeah. They've got the cars upturned And the women just it, it's, it's crazy visuals But it's one of those scenes That I was just like Man I can't I can't believe they're actually doing that And it looks as if they really did that the centre in New York yeah.
0: It it looks highly pretentious, I got to say. And yep. these, you know, this this fashion world that we mm. kind of exist in within this film, it 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 is the kind of world that I think would really get on my <laughs> not just <laughs> a little, I I can't stand any of these people to be honest. And and Laura Mars as a central character to be honest is actually quite hard to like, mm. um, I, I, I don't find uh, the easiest person to warm to. And I think it's only v- by virtue of Faye Dunaway's performance, mixed with the fact that she is in peril for much of the time that, mm-hmm. y- that you kind of do feel for her or start to feel for her. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that she is seeing her friends all get offed in front mm-hmm. of her very eyes, like, but, uh, but as, as, a, as a person, I guess, you know, if, if 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 I knew these people in real life, I, I, I don't think I would
1: want to continue knowing them, I guess. Yeah, she seems to fluctuate between being the victim um, and then being in control of these really uh, difficult shoots where she's, like, telling everybody what to do and she was in complete control. Look, look, there's a scene in the car with her manager and... Um, Brad Doris. Yes, Brad Dourif character where the the two guys and and she can't handle them just arguing she just Mm. snaps at both of them and then just stares out the window doesn't want to talk to anybody and and you're like I don't know I don't know what I'm supposed to feel towards this character and you don't really feel much to be fair you just kind of go like it's it's the final girl syndrome, you know she's the one we're going to have to see survive this Um, but like you say some of the side characters like Dourif, I think he does I think he does pretty well here.
0: I, I love Doriff mm. in this and it seems to be a common theme actually. I you know he's such an underrated actor. Mm-hmm. I find I, I just don't think he gets anywhere near the credit he deserves. Cuz I always think he makes an impact in mm-hmm. whatever he does and you know I, I I hate Rob zombie movies but his performance in Halloween 2 is outstanding really outstanding like it's, it's the only saving grace of that film i think <laughs> with the possible exception of the uh the two actresses that are in it as well but uh but no just yeah but but, but yeah like i say brad dourif is, is is a fantastic actor and i do think he he, he he's the most sympathetic character in this film mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest he you know he's he's a an ex-crook who's mm-hmm. Done some prison time and, and you can tell that he's trying to make You know Make good on his life Trying to make himself better um, Yeah it he know, makes
1: right choices Like that scene in the car yeah. Rather than hide his past He decides to just own mm. it and bring it out straight away It's the kind of thing that You would always see a character kind of try to hide Or try to keep under wraps and eventually it mm. would come out But this, this character owns it Straight away yeah, he's, he's
0: and and it's, it says something as well about the people people within the fashion industry, whether this is an intentional commentary or not. Um, mm. That that it's Rene Auberginois. I, I have no idea how you pronounce that dude's name. I really don't. Right, um, yeah. But it's his character who gets upset that he's trying to come clean about yeah. it. He he wants him to brush it, keep it, you know, brush it under the rug, keep it quiet. Um, mm-hmm. Why why are you bringing this up, kind of thing. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I d- I don't know if you know that guy from anything else, but
1: no, I can't I can't see. Oh no, yeah, he it,
0: was in st- he 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 was in a he was a main character in Star Trek Deep Space Nine for the entire uh, uh, run. Odo? Yeah,
1: yeah, Odo. Yeah. Um, just and see that, that's what it's clicked.
0: Yeah, he also played um, Doc uh, Doctor. Arkham in Arkham Asylum on uh, in Batman Forever. <laughs> I I don't think his name was Doctor Arkham, but he he was the dude in charge of Arkham Asylum. Although his scenes got cut actually for the UK release of the film. Um, mm. but there you go.
1: Yeah, we have it, our Batman sidetrack for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know Like going back to the film-centric brain and seeing this like. Nowadays, you do have that fashion of you have all these red herrings throughout the movie, Mm. and and you kind of know when a movie goes out of its way to like implicate somebody, you instantly know it's not that person. Uh, Mm. And I I do feel that it it does try to set up all these possibilities of characters that it could be, um. But I just none of it. I just bought none of it. Bought no same uh, Yeah, I think it's. I think you see, it's a product of its its time. I imagine back in the day when it came out I think it was 74 or around yeah, about that like that. I mean that's, that's 40 odd years ago so Oh it? so
0: 74 was it?
1: Yeah I think it was around about then. So Right okay so we didn't
0: even have um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest At this point then um, Do you know what I'm, I'm going to check that Brian Because right. c- c- Cuckoo's Nest was 75 wasn't it So it one best picture in 75
1: uh, one moment. Oh, sorry, my bad. Seventy-eight. Right. Wow, yeah. Okay. 78. Okay. So it's forty years old this year. Right. Um, and it's, it's
0: same weird. same year as Halloween. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. Um, I think I think there was a bit of a troubled production with this one, and Carpenter's script was kind of butchered, um, a little mm. bit, uh, and it wasn't. It didn't really resemble his original script. The idea was there. But most of it's taken away, and I think you see that most of all when, for some reason, the movie takes a little break to have a little bit of a romantic movie. <laughs> um. Yeah, that comes out of nowhere. I just, I, I don't
0: buy that um, whirlwind romance yeah. at all. Yeah, no, just it just, no, it no just no kind right. of comes out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, um,
1: and you're like, forced, oh, come on. must be said. They've they've literally had a handful of scenes And then Mm. all of a sudden That's it Yeah Yeah, And it's it's weird to see Tommy Lee Jones Looking as young (laughs) As well (laughs) Yeah yeah. And then obviously it's directed by Irvin Kushner as well, the man who did The Empire Yeah Empire Um, Strikes Back
0: And uh, Never Say Never Again
1: (laughs) Uh, And uh, is it Robocop 2?
0: Uh, I think it may have been, yes yeah. Yeah. I quite like Robocop 2 um, <laughs> <laughs> As far as Robocop sequels go Yeah, it's pretty decent <laughs> it's better <than> Part 3
1: <laughs> But yeah, you don't really see any stylistic touches here It just seems to be by the number kind of movie making There's nothing outstanding There's nothing other than the city point of view colour shots But we've seen that in other movies before This wasn't the first time it was ever done so it never really yeah. es- establishes itself as cinematically outstanding, in my opinion. Mm.
0: No, um, it, it's it it's shot perfectly um, adequately. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's not. I wouldn't say it was like a badly shot film or anything, but uh, yeah, stylistically, it, it there's nothing really that kind of separates it in the way that say Jonathan Demme did with Silence of the Lambs.
1: Yeah. It's it's one of these movies that you can look at and you can you can look at the talent involved with it, and you feel like it should probably be better than it mm. actually is. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like um, just just read that list of names: John Carpenter, Irving Kirstner, Faye Dunaway, Tommy Lee Jones, Brad Dourif. That's like some pretty A list talent, mm-hmm. um, and considering that amount of talent, it's yeah, it's a bit.
1: Underwhelming To <laughs> say the very least yeah. And it's probably All of them are probably In their creative heyday as well Round about mm. that period um, mm. So I just I don't know I don't know if I've got too much more To say about the movie about yourself. Um yourself I,
0: th- I think the music mm. Times Is a little bit um, Like we, we open We open in On The eyes of Laura Mars And, and we bookend the film By Coming out on mm. the eyes of Laura Mars, I can't remember if the opening was the same piece of music, but certainly the one that we come out on. Yeah, it's kind of this proper soft nineteen seventies kind of love ballad thing, and it's yeah, a bit
1: now, I'm I'm sure that's Barbara Streisand. It is Barbara Streisand she was it, supposed yeah. to be uh, Laura Mars at one point.
0: Ah, alright
1: I, I I'm okay. backed out. But they had the song, so they used it. <laughs> 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 um, Interesting. There was a host of like, uh, actresses attached to this this movie at one mm. point. Um, it took a few years to get made, um, but yeah, that that's that song the song doesn't fit the movie at all. No,
0: it's it's really like it. It feels like some kind of mid eighties love story. Yeah. Kind of song. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, don't work. It does not work. Yeah. And and maybe maybe it would have worked had we got the movie that was originally intended. I don't know. Um, I hope uh, not because that's probably no. a really <laughs> dire <laughs> movie. <laughs> yeah, they 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 place more emphasis on the romance. <laughs> yeah. That's
1: why it doesn't work here because they cut so much of it out. You, you can almost see the studio notes coming down for this, going like, you know what. I want to see more romance in this movie Just
0: (laughs) Is it though, is it? Or is it the other way around? Is it the studio notes that butchered that And said look, take out some of this romance stuff Because it's just really Mm. dragging the film down And that's why it feels like it came out of nowhere (laughs) 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 Um,
1: Well, I I think um, This is probably one of the ones That's been hardest to talk about I would think Eyes of Laura Mars There's not much to really discuss about it I, I do think there's certain things that works. Um, like some of the point of view shots are pretty good. Like I said, when she's been chased, the idea mm. of that of um, somebody taking over your vision, you can't see anything other than these horrific mm. uh, things that you can't stop. It's a great idea. The, the talent that's in this movie is fantastic. Like we said, it, it's great. It's just the parts are greater than the sum. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate. I mean, I, I'm just going to my wrap up as I'm, I'm going anyway. Um, mm. I think because of the John Carpenter aspect, I, I wanted to like it a lot more than what I actually did. I still enjoyed. It. Um, I just think yeah. it should have been better than what it was, and I think overall, I gave it a three out of five.
0: Yeah, um, I. I it it's a hard one to judge because, like, like we established at the start, it, it is one of those films that I can definitely imagine. If I'd have seen this that when it came out, I think it would have had a lot more impact. And I think that's why it does appear on certain you know, countdown lists, such mm-hmm. as the one I saw it on. It's, it's because the people who were around when it came out, it probably hit a bit harder. But now, you know, it's late 80s, early 90s, we had such a slew of thrillers like this that came out serial killer thrillers that now you you can list a, ho- a whole handful that are, are far and away better than this you know mm. miles better than this um, so I, I'm trying to judge this with that in mind and I, I to be honest I think after I watched it I, I, when I went to Letterboxd and reviewed it or oh, gave it the star rating I may have gone three and a half after talking about it, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think yeah, it's 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 not as, as as yeah, it's not that good. It's not three and a half, but it's but it is entertaining. It's still entertaining, and I do think that the character of Brad Dourif is relatable. He is sympathetic. I do root for the guy, um, and 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 it is fun seeing Tommy Lee Jones in the end. Go nuts and kind yeah. of yeah play against types, because this isn't the kind of role that he usually plays. Um, so, like you, yeah, I'd, I'd give it a three and a f- three out of five. I, I think it's worth a watch. but yeah. it's probably not one you're going to jump back
1: into anytime soon. No. Okay, so now we've got that out of the way, we're moving on to our top five of this episode. Uh well, let, let's go with Double Bill first. If you've if you've even done that? Yeah sure you can go faster than on this one Brian <laughs> <Okay. laughs>
0: Well i leave you to ponder what you might use um, well th- there was a blatantly obvious one to be honest um, which I, I wasn't going to mention just in case you'd picked it but from the look in your face it doesn't look <laughs> like you've picked anything so I may as well just go with that one um, but I-, I think the obvi- most obvious one for this in a double bill would be Peeping Tom um it's it's a film I've never seen, but I, I've s I've seen so much on it, so many people discussing it and clips from it and that that I feel pretty safe in saying that yeah, this would work pretty well with a a, a Laura Mars double bill. Um so it's about this killer who likes to film his victims as he's killing them. Um and we see it from his point of view. So Again, you know, you t- talking about films that did the whole killers point of view thing long before this one. Peeping Tom is definitely that film. Um, you know, he he kills them with this spike attached to the end of his camera, and it kind of it does get into that whole fascination with art and violence. Um, you know, kind of taking pictures of the people he's killing. Mm-hmm. It, it uh, it it does have that crossover with Laura Mars with regards to the photographs she's taking and how they're inspiring the killer, um, and obviously the you know the killer's point of
1: view. Um, but yeah, right. So my turn. My, my turn. You put me in the spot because um, it'd been that long since I've done it. I didn't actually think pick of anything. So um, off the top of my head, I'm going to pick "Someone's Watching Me," TV movie made by John Carpenter. <laughs> About a woman uh, in her apartment Who's watched and tormented and stalked by a, a stranger uh, And it's actually a cat and mouse game Between a killer and his supposed victim uh, It's a little scene, mm-hmm. movie But it's one that kind of stuck with me and because of the John Carpenter connection And the fact that I can't think of anything else on the spot <laughs> That's why I'm going to choose that as my double bill movie mm. I, I actually had another
0: choice Which was The Raven with John Cusack Oh yeah, yeah because that obviously follows a story in which somebody commits murders based on his stories, mm-hmm. in the same way that Laura Mars has someone who commits murders based on her photos. Mm-hmm. So I thought I thought that was a that was an interesting connection that would sit pretty well with it a, in a, in a double bill, and it's quite an underrated film as well. I say
1: I remember seeing the Raven; I enjoyed it, but yeah, mm. good. So. Top fives? Top fives. And our top five this time was uh, top five serial killer movies. Yep. Yeah. yeah? Yeah. Now, um, I, I, I don't know about you, there was thousands to choose from here. Like hundreds of movies you could affect.
0: D- there was, but i got to say, the, the, the top four on my list, they jumped out at me like that. Just like no question, I didn't even need to go rooting. I knew that the these top that the top four were definitely my top four. Um, so I I basically ummed and odd over
1: which would go mm-hmm. in my fifth spot. But yeah, I've done it. So um, I was looking at mines and I, I thought I didn't. I wasn't picking silly choices like a Friday the Thirteenth or anything like that. That's not the kind of thing I'm looking mm. for. It was more like a realistic yeah. color movie. Um, More of a thriller kind of vibe to it Yes, yes yeah. And There was some that jumped right out at me And then there was a couple that I thought like, That's, that's a really good movie, I enjoyed that a lot And it's not talked about much, so I'm going to pick that So I'm, I'm mm. curious to see how our list will match up And then there was There was one director Who I looked at about three of his movies And I thought they could all be in the top five I'm just, nope, I'm picking one of them I'm only going to pick the mm-hmm. one and that's what I'm going to put in So I'm sure you know who I'm talking about anyway Brian um, mm, but we'll get I, I to don't that. know, I,
0: maybe, possibly Maybe, um, possibly, perhaps We'll see, okay <laughs> who's, who's first, who's, who's first up? You can choose Go on, I'll go first <laughs> okay. So my number five position uh, And I believe we, did we review this? No no, I've done a commentary on this somewhere, but we have talked about this before, and it is Manhunter, Michael Mann's Manhunter. Really great precursor to Silence of the Lambs. Uh, kind of, kind of uh, a a prequel to it, like be- made before it, so not done as a prequel. But yes, yeah, si- Silence of the Lambs was kind of a pre uh, a sequel to this film. It's just that they recast Hannibal Lecter and then it, the film took off, and then they kind of sort of disowned mm. this one mm. in connection with it. Not, not because of quality or anything like that, but uh, yeah, Manhunter. Absolutely terrific serial killer film. Uh, in, in many ways, better than Silence of the Lambs, and it, it, in a lot of ways, not. Mm. Um, so de- definitely worth a watch. Um, I like the style of it. I love Michael Mann's style in the film. Uh, we, we, oh, we, we we reviewed Thief That was it And I yeah. think we did a top, top 5 Michael Mann movie So I won't say much more on it Because um, I think we've probably hammered it home With regards to this film But yeah definitely a really good
1: Serial kill flick Ok uh, my number 5 Is Man Bites Dog It is <sighs> a <coughs> It's a, a French City full documentary Type of movie where um, this documentary crew follow this man about uh, it goes about just <coughs> killing people haphazardly. You know, for no reason other than he enjoys doing the task. And they slowly become implicit in his ways of murdering various people. It's a black and white movie, early 90s I believe it came out. And it's one of these movies that really stuck with me the main character is extremely charismatic and he has to be because he's the one that takes you through the movie draws you in with his charm and his wit and, and before doing the most despicable of tasks and then encouraging others like the crew to help him when they get him to actually hold somebody still while he kills them at one point it, it's one of these movies that stuck with me, I take it you've seen it Brian, be your reaction?
0: I've seen the first 20-30 minutes of it I, I mean I watched it Quite young to be honest, um, and I just wasn't into it. It wasn't my bag at all. I, d- I don't know if I, if I don't know if my opinion would change now that I'm older, but yeah at the time it yeah weren't my thing. ok Your number four? Okay, my number four and uh, the, the, my number four, three and two, I gotta say, are quite interchangeable. Um, I, I just know that these four, these, these top four are, are just, yeah, top tier stuff all the way. But number four is Psycho, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Um, pretty much the birth of the modern serial killer film, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think every kind of film that deals with serial killers owes some kind of debt to Psycho, uh, but just a brilliant film and a cracking portrayal by um, Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates mm-hmm. D- doesn't doesn't play it the way a lot of people today would play it you know like uh, th- these days you always know who the serial killer is because there's something off kilter about them there's something a little yeah. bit just sinister a little bit but this guy is normal just if you bumped into him in the street you you just you wouldn't no. think anything of him no, and I'm that's the, the way a lot of serial killers are yeah it's just like a lot a lot of serial killers you know they people didn't know they just didn't know because they they just seem like that guy next door um and that's what that's how they play it here um and and it's hitchcock you know i possibly hitchcock's greatest film probably my favorite hitchcock film mm. um yeah, expertly done. You think of a film like Scream, where they kill Drew Barrymore off in the you know in the opening scene. She was the star on on the the poster, you know. They put her front and center. Her name was first on the credits. That's quite a big thing, but it didn't start with Scream, you know. Mm-hmm. Alfred Hitchcock did it first. He took Janet Leigh, who was who was the star at the time. She was the star of the film, and they kill her in the opening act. And it's like whoa. Okay, as soon as you do that, all bets are off. Where do you where do you go from there? Um, so, yeah, brilliant, expertly edited, brilliantly shot, fantastic
1: film. Okay, um, <laughs> my number four is a movie that I watched lots of times. Look, lots of times when I was a little bit younger. Um, it is nineteen eighty Copycat, a movie that you'll probably <sighs> never hear anybody mention ever again. Um, Sigourney Weaver, Holly Hunter uh, mm-hmm. Let's not forget Harry Connick Jr <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Or let's try to Either way um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was, it was one of these movies That I, I don't know why But I just get so much enjoyment out of watching this thing These, these, yeah, these two women police officers As they are uh, Criminal investigators Investigating somebody who was Copycat Harry Connick Jr. character In the movie um, and it was tense, it was exciting, you get strong female leads in this, you had some good sort of murder set pieces, it was an interesting thriller. It's one that I had on VHS and I think I almost wore it out, I'd watched it that many times, I just thought it was like, genuinely entertaining. It may not be A Silence of the Lambs or A Psycho or anything as good as that, but it's one of these movies that for some reason just hasn't lasted through the ages. It's, it's disappeared, you yeah. never hear anybody talking about it. Um, I don't know if you've seen this or not Brian. I have yeah,
0: and it did crop up when I was making my list. It was uh, it was one of those that was in the number five discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I basically I kind of went on IMDb where I've rated everything, and and I I did that thing where you can tick the boxes to narrow down the searches. And once I got all the thrillers and and horrors and whatnot, I went through and I looked at all all the ones I'd given an eight out of ten or above. And then once I had all those, I was like, right, this is this is what I've got to make my list from. And obviously the, the four I mentioned, the, the four from the, the top, they just jumped out. And mm-hmm. then I had loads of others and, and Copycat, yeah, that that was one that was like, mm, do I do that? Do I don't? I oh, don't know. So, yeah.
1: It's been a little while since I've watched that. And I've got to tell you, just uh, making this list, it made me want to go and watch it again. <laughs> um, which is why I put it on the list. You know, something that made me want to yeah. check out as much as that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your number three, Brian?
0: My number three is Silence of the Lambs. Uh, this is a film in which, uh, you know, it, it won the five Oscars for the the the, the top five categories. You know, mm-hmm. screenplay, director, film, act- actress, actor. Um, and deservedly so. It's it's a brilliant piece of work, expertly directed by Jonathan Demme. Um, and an excellent performance by Anthony Hopkins and uh, Jodie Foster. But I must say, very, very underrated is um, the guy who plays Buffalo Bill, whose name has just completely escaped me, um, no it's gone but uh <laughs>
1: ted, i recently
0: ted levine. ted levine that's the one um i i recently mentioned him in uh, i did a killer flicks tag on my youtube channel and um yeah i i mentioned him in performances somebody asked about great performances in horror movies and and i i mentioned him because i ju- i just find his performance to be really underrated cuz it's it's incredibly committed some of the stuff he has to do in there you know i i, I don't envy him as an actor for some of the things he's got to do the whole tucking the tail between the legs <laughs> scene you know it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty brutal um but uh you know We've essentially all oh yeah well yeah um anthony hopkins you know he, as, as great as his performance is he's, he's got it easy really because he just gets to be he gets to stand in a room for the whole film and just talk and look sinister and, and there is that thing again that you know going back to what I said about Norman Bates you know right off the bat that this guy there's not there's something not right about this guy you know if, if I went into a uh, counselling session with this version of Hannibal Lecter and he was talking to me the way that he's talking to uh, Clarice in this film. I I think something's off, you know. Something is definitely off with this guy. So so to me, in that regard, yeah, it's a great performance. Yes, it's a really iconic character, and deservedly so. But it's not natural. It's not. I I, I don't really buy that this character could exist like this within society. Whereas you look at Brian Cox in Manhunter he's just normal. You look at Anthony, you look at um, Anthony Perkins' Norman Bates in Psycho, he's just normal until you find out that he's not, you know, Uh, and to me that, that's a lot more believable and as a result, it's a lot more scary. Mm -hmm. Um, But that being said, it's Silence of the Lambs, it's absolutely fantastic, it's probably my second favourite horror film of all time. Um, The, the, the other two that are up on, just above this one on the list, I would definitely class as thrillers mm-hmm. over horror, whereas Silence of the Lambs, I know a lot of people would say it's thriller. To me, it is definitely horror. Um, it, it, it is also definitely thriller, but I think it's such a 50-50 split, you could argue the case for either. So if we were talking horror movies, it
1: would be my second favourite horror film of all time. Okay, my number three is a David Fincher movie. Now, this is the, the person I had trouble nailing down which one I was going to put in. Mm. And, and what I did is I took a calculated risk um, to what I thought you would pick. And I went the opposite. So, t- to change up, <laughs> I think, hopefully. So, uh, I've picked seven. Um, <laughs> as my David Fincher movie, and at number three, I think this is one of the bleakest, darkest, most horrible movies that I've possibly rewatched far too many times you get a really, a, a really how do I put this the colour in it John Doe is such a malevolently evil person to have the foresight to what he's doing here this plan Whoa. that he's set in motion is horrific in nature some of the ways that he kills people particularly the person that he leaves all for almost a year is it takes a certain mindset and, and you just instantly know how evil this person is, and then you have the, the character, the, the wise older cop, and the young upstart, and you feel like they're going to save the day, and make everything better, and it doesn't work out like that, um, the, the box scene at the end, kind of puts the nail on the coffin of this one, I, I think it looks tremendous, I think it's the one that really just, rubber stamped David Fincher's mark, just to go like, here I am, I'll, I'll take whatever you've got, and I'll just, make it better, Make it look mm. fantastic. I, I think it's a tremendous movie. Um, I, I'm going to leave it at that. It's a tremendous movie. Mm. It absolutely is. And it's also my number two choice. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is absolutely staggering. Um, I, I, I remember it, it, it came out around the time of Silence of the Lambs, obviously after Silence of the Lambs, but there, there wasn't that, was it three years? Three years apart blind it okay um I, but i I remember thinking at the time I mean th- when you when you're a kid because I was like um twelve when really yeah. what year was it ninety five five wow okay yeah it was then because lambs was ninety one wasn't yeah. it right okay well i I remember seeing silence of the lambs on video um <laughs> that's going back some. <laughs> and then and then this maybe about a year later so that got kind of jumbled up in my mind there but i remember thinking at the time that oh this is this is just it's just one of them films that's like kind of jumping on that silence of the lambs bandwagon you know i, I think in the early 90s i'd seen an awful lot of serial killer flicks and i didn't really give this the credit that it that, that was due when I first saw it because I was I was just like yeah I've seen so many films like this, and then I saw it again you know a few years later and I'm like what the hell was I thinking? This is this is blinding. It's absolutely brilliant. Everything is calibrated to perfection. Uh, the visuals are absolutely stunning. Uh, you know Ke- Kevin Spacey just yeah. popping up. As, as the serial killer, obviously he didn't get a credit in the film. you um, didn't want people to know that he was in it because it would give away who the killer was. Um, but that relationship, the central relationship between, like you say, this older cop and this young upstart is really the heart of the film. Um, it's, it's why it works so well, I think. Uh, and the idea as well that this mission that the killer, that, that John Doe is on, there's actually something quite noble in it. There's something quite moral in it. But he's just going about it in the most immoral, unimaginable way possible. You know, it's, uh, There's that line that he says when he, he talks about it's not enough just to tap someone on the shoulder and, and tell them anymore. You've got to kind of hit them over the head with a sledgehammer. And that's what he's doing. He's trying to drive his point home that the world needs to change, that it's living in sin, that everyone is guilty and things need to change. Um, but he becomes part of that as a, as a way of making his point, so mm. to, you know, to the to the, the most
1: extreme order. Okay, my number two is, is a movie with not one but two serial killers in it. We have both Hannibal Lecter and Buffalo Bill. Um, the Silence of the Lambs you've, you've mentioned it, yeah. you said a lot about it I, I think it's a movie that has towering performances like you say and it, it has got ridiculously memorable scenes it has, I, I, like you say are two fantastic performances Ted Levine, Anthony Hopkins Anthony Hopkins likes to chew the scenery here and be the larger than life megalomaniacal villain and then you have Buffalo Bill who is the, the more I'd say, more terrifying of the two. Um, yeah. B- because his crazy is steeped in reality rather than, than Lecter, who, who seems yeah. almost like a caricature. Yeah. Um, a- and every time you sit sort of with Lecter, you feel like he, he is a caged animal and he, and he acts in such a way. Bill feels like it's the animal in the loose, the person that can cause all kinds of torturous behaviour, Um you get Clear Starling in the middle of this, played by Jodie Foster, who. It's one of her first major cases. She's just out of the academy. She's stuck between a rock and a hard place here, literally. You get all these characters and scenarios and scenes that just tie together to make a, a fantastic uh, movie. You know that cover art of The Moth? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, everything about it is just iconic, just down to the, the, the direction. It's, it's one of these perfectly put together movies. And. To say this, it won the five Oscars. You wouldn't pick this out as an Oscar movie. No, <laughs> do you, do you know what I mean? But it, it's that good. It's that good, and and in, uh, in the genre that it's in, that it elevated mm. it to such that they had no choice but to give it the Oscars because it was it was the pinnacle of this kind of movie. It just grabbed people, didn't it? It yeah. just it just
0: kind of got stuck into the social consciousness at the time. Mm-hmm. It was kind of
1: hard to escape. Yeah. Um, but when you, you think know, back e- even like all, the, all the Oscar movies, you would never put this up as going, no, going... No, no, not at have all. ...have sweep. Yeah. It's like...
0: Um, like uh, there's so many spoofs as well, yeah. <laughs> scenes <laughs> from it, when when it came out. I can't remember which... which Was it Loaded Weapon? There was a film called Loaded Weapon that, yeah, they did a mm. a whole play on the quid pro quo thing. That <laughs> was quite hilarious. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it, it it is a brilliant, brilliant film.
1: Mm. Is, um, it's, probably everybody knows the scene of, of Lecter talking to Starling. Mm. You know, it's been yeah. covered in everything. It's even in kids' programmes now and things like that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird to think of, but it's there. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so Science
0: of is my number two. Okay. And so my number one, um, and I I think it's his best film... Uh, yeah, Zodiac. David Finch's Zodiac. Um, I, I just think... So, so in that regard, you were right to go with Seven because um, <laughs> I placed Zodiac higher. It's just that there was no way I could not put both this and Seven on the list. Um, Zodiac, for me, though, it's just... It beats all these others hands down just because I believe every second of it. There is not a single thing about this film that I don't believe. And I believe Fincher so heavily researched it and so heavily stuck to the source material, the book, you know, and, and, and the and the articles that he used. Uh, this is something else I mentioned in, in my, my video on YouTube, the Kill Flicks tag, is that th- there's a scene in that film where they shot one of the... Uh, murder scenes at the actual location but because there was a tree that was there that was no longer there it had been cut down since since the murder um, Fincher had one imported in they brought it in and they planted it where that tree used to be and there's such attention to detail and, and you feel it you feel it in every frame of the film and these, the central character Graysmith who's this reporter trying to trying to uncover who this killer was, who the Zodiac was, and the film gives you an answer. Um, it, and you kind of you feel like it has to be this guy that they've solved this murder essentially, but they can never bring the dude to justice because he died before before they were able to. Um, but uh, yeah, it's such a brilliantly handled film. Great performances across the board. Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, Mark Ruffalo, Anthony Edwards, uh, Robert Downey Jr. It's, it's just, it's it's in my top twenty movies of all time. I just think that every frame is, is it's perfection. Um, it really is, really is, I, and I I think it's it's Fincher's most. I, I hate to use the term underrated, um, but I, I I think when you when you when you ask people, what's your favourite Fincher film, I, I don't think this is the one that most people are going to say. They're going to jump to you know things like Fight Club, Seven. Um, yeah, I, I but for me, Zodiac, absolutely staggering piece of work.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's been a long while since I've seen it. In fact, it's been way too long. I need to revisit it soon, but I remember it being absolutely fascinating and to see the city character overlooking it. A large period of time, kind of disrupt his whole life in the search for solving this puzzle. It was absolutely fascinating. Great cast as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and just to put it out there, my favorite Fincher is Fight Club. <laughs> 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 on, it's, all, it's, it's also my favorite book
0: as well. Yeah, it's always it's my it's my second favorite Fincher film, and at one time it was my mm. was my favorite. Um, it, it it it's it's. It's touch and go. Uh, it's like Fight Club and Zodiac. They're definitely, like you know, proper up there when it comes to Fincher.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, my number one is one you've already mentioned as well, and it's Psycho. Mm. Um, back when I was getting into movies and starting to like, explore all different kinds of things, I, I was looking into movies of the past, and Hitchcock was a big, yeah, a big name. So I started to track down all his movies, and I started watching Psycho. Knowing nothing about it. So the movie starts off with a, a woman having an affair, she embezzles money, she goes on the run. So I'm thinking, yeah, it's a kind of crime drama type thing. And then <laughs> midway through the, the movie, she's off completely yeah. unexpectedly, you know, just out of nowhere. That's just, and, and like you say, Anthony Perkins, um, Norman, is. Just an everyday character, just one of those people that you spy, pass by in the street or, or in a shop or something. You just go like that. take no notice of that person whatsoever, uh, and this person is is extremely damaged and it just it goes to show that not all colours come in the the, the, the usual guys. They can be just an everyday person. Uh, Psycho for me was a, a terrific movie. With a great ending as well. And, and I'm not talking about the, the revelation of his mother. I'm talking about when he's sitting mm. um, yeah. a, a in the hospital and you have the psychiatrists talking about him. You know, mm. just. And, you, you, I, and I, I think I'm just going to mention it as well Psycho 2. Um, mm. it's a, it's
0: yeah, very good sequel.
1: Fantastic sequel that really mm. um, lives up to the, the, the first one as well, bringing mm. this character forward. But Psycho is my pick for the, the best serial killer.
0: Yeah, Tom Tom Holland as well wrote the sequel to Psycho 2 uh, the The guy is pretty awesome. It must be said. He, you know, Fright Night, Child's Play. <laughs> you, you you look at the Child's Play franchise. I don't think any of the Child's Play movies have, have touched the first one, um, and I and I think that's largely down to Tom Holland.
1: Well, well, I think I know they're all horrors, but I think you can say the first one is is a horror movie. Yeah. Um, the second one onwards, it becomes a more tongue-in-cheek kind of the bad yeah, guy winks yeah. at the screen type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah That's a good list, good list of the movies. I, I thought we were going to have some overlap there, um, but mm. yeah, I think those are the classics, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so, are we on to the, the, the mysterious part of the episode, Brian?
0: We are. We're on yeah. to clues and guessing and... Lots of heartache. Um, Okay, so I'm going to give you five choices. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you clues for those choices and you're going to pick one. Um, Okay, so here goes. Number one, the Earth's destroyer becomes its savior and does battle with creatures and madmen. Number two, these little monsters are hungry everyone and everything is on the menu. Number three, Cruz Kidman. Number four, Rape Violence Remake. Number five, when one man takes advice from Elvis, His life gets a whole lot more complicated.
1: Mm. Okay. You really went minimalistic on some of those there, didn't you? I did, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think I know what a couple of them are, but my guesses have been wrong before. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. I'm going to get rid of number one straight away. The Earth's
0: destroyer becomes its savior and does battle with creatures and madmen, and that is Hellboy.
1: Oh, that's unfortunate. I do, I do enjoy that movie. Right. Okay. Now it gets it seriously. Two. I have a funny feeling I know what that is. Three. The the, the Cruise Kidman one. Um, I'm curious about that because. The only one of their movies together that I haven't seen Is Eyes Wide Shut Which is something that I should, I should see But I think you've watched that recently Or within the past year And I don't think you're going to pick it again uh, It was four and five Brian Four
0: is Rape Violence Remake Three of my favourite things <laughs> <laughs> Party time <laughs> Number five is When one man takes advice From Elvis His life gets a whole lot more complicated
1: mm. See, the, the, the Elvis one I have, I, I've got two guesses and I, I've got a feeling they're both wrong Because the, the only two movies I can think of Similar to that are Elvis and Nixon Which I've seen I was okay, I don't think I want to revisit And Baba Hotep Which I love um, But I don't think it's either I'm going to get rid of the Elvis one Well you were wrong on both counts
0: It is Tony Scott's True Romance Oh,
1: oh. oh goodness that's, that's a bit of a heartbreak to be fair Brian <laughs> 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 well, I, I'm, I'm going to get rid of the Cruise and Kidman one as well
0: Okay, I just I can't face far and away. <laughs> it's not far and away, and it's not eyes wide shut. It is
1: Tony Scott's Days of, Days
0: Thund- of Thunder. Oh, oh mm-hmm.
1: Now, just just so we can state this down, I'd have been happy with any of those.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So now we're left with um, two and four. Two and
0: four. Um, two. These little monsters are hungry, and everyone and everything is on the menu. And four, Rape Violence Remake.
1: I think I'm going to get rid of number four. Which is Straw Dogs. Oh, thank goodness.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it. I picked it up on Blu-ray for a pound at, right. the P- at Poundland the other day. So <laughs> y- y- You'd be better with the original. <laughs> I've never seen the original, and I want to see the remake first, because more more often than not, I've seen the original first, mm. and and as as a result, I always hate the remakes. But I I I remember I remember I saw the prequel to mm. the thing first, and I really liked it. Um, so I, I want to yeah. I know ev everyone really slagged off the Straw Dogs remake. So. Mm.
1: I wanna see that first and see what I make of it. Mm-hmm. So I, I my, my thought process here is I, I'm gambling. I am gambling big style here because I think I knew what number two was right from the off. And it's a movie I watched last year but I want to see it again. I know it's one of your favourites, I think. I, I think number two was Critters. <laughs> 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 it's not, is it? <laughs> You are right. It oh. is critters. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, I, I, I'm there happy with that. Are we just are we just going to stick with the original critters, or do you want to you add anything just, else, or? In in what respect? Maybe the second one as well. Or do you want to save that for a later date? Um.
0: What do you mean reviewing both together? Yeah. Uh if we're gonna do that, why don't we just do a whole Critters special and review all four Critters films? Okay. Yeah. Boom y'all. Okay. 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 Um we'll uh, we'll leave off the double bill for that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's probably gonna be a long one. Mm-hmm. Um but uh top fives. I put top five home invasion movies. Right, okay.
1: Lots of them to go around. <laughs> yes, definitely. Excellent. So, okay. next episode we'll have to get our homework done because it's going to be Critters 1 to 4. Yes. Wow. A lot of pressure on this. <laughs> I can handle that. That's
0: yeah, good. That's okay. going to
1: be something different. Something out there, something that we've not done before So that's something to look forward to So put that date in your diary everybody Make sure and be there for the the Critters (laughs) quadrilogy (laughs) Love it Yeah, Of course we'll be ranking it at the end as well Brian Mm -hmm. We get to see uh, the introduction of Leonardo DiCaprio We do The the pinnacle, the crowning achievement of his career Yes, we get to see uh, badass Angela Bassett
0: Uh, And we get Brad Dourif back as well (laughs) (laughs)
1: Seems to be a running theme in this podcast. It really does. Um, right. Yeah. There you go. So thanks for listening and we will see you next month on the Brits on Flex Podcast. <laughs> that would do it. That would do. <laughs> do Show me the way
0: I always hear your voice and in my dreams
1: You want to keep me
0: here forever I can't escape Famous balls. (laughs) Famous balls. I'm gonna start again because I've I've cocked it off halfway today.